0: In the world of sales, there are ways for you to stay calm in tough situations. And the key for you is you have to have a game plan. You got to know what you're going to do. And what really helps is knowing how salespeople commonly fail. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. Aloha from Sacramento, California. Today is a good day. And I figured I would go over some information that I've gathered from writing with salespeople consistently that would really help you close some deals. And what I want to go over with you today is how to keep calm and tough sales calls. And one of the things that salespeople mistake is they think that every sales call should be easy. And one of the things that I want to remind you of is it's your job to make the call a lay down. It's your job to put in the work. It's your job to put in the effort. And you can freak yourself out if you think like you're losing the deal. So I I have a word that I use when I describe salespeople who are in the midst of thinking they've lost momentum. And it's free fall. And free fall is panic plus a loss of control of what's going on in a call. And There are some common trends that salespeople do when they are in free fall. One of these common trends is to speed up the process and they will start taking elements out of the sales presentation. You have to be aware of what your sales presentation needs to have. And if you are taking content out, that's first and foremost, because if you give a sales presentation and you skip content for the buyer and something goes sideways, they're going to come back and say, you never told me that. And they use that excuse a lot, but I mean, if you really didn't tell somebody something, it is your fault. You may have challenges with a buyer. They're not all supposed to be easy. You know, there's an old school story of a kid that gets started in sales and he's selling newspaper print. And the the boss says, you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna test you out. I'm I'm gonna give you one sales call, go across the street and go offer a, a magazine ad or a newspaper ad. To the, to the butcher across the street. Now, here's the thing. The guy's going to yell at you. He's going to scream at you. Just go along with it. It's a game. And the guy at the end is going to sign the contract. So the new kid goes over there. He puts in the work. He puts in the effort. And he comes back with a signed contract. And so the, the new manager, because that's what he is, says, uh, I've sent every new salesperson over, and the guy's never bought. What did you do? And he said, I treated it like a game. I figured you told me the guy was going to scream and yell at me and I was going to have some fun. So I did everything I needed to do to close the deal. And, you know, sometimes that's really what you need to think about is you are going to have buyers who are going to be mean to you. They're going to be rude to you. They're going to say some crazy things to you. But at the end of the day, it's your job to make the most out of that call, that appointment, that sell, that situation to to go ahead and close the deal. Most salespeople are not good under pressure. They're not. And I'm telling you this from writing shotgun. This isn't me like some, like I got some vague statistic that I read on the Google. No, this is me saying I rode with salespeople daily for a long time in different industries. And I will tell you, there are not a lot of good salespeople who are under pressure because nobody talks about this. Nobody says like, these are skills that you got to acquire. These are the things that I've seen that will really help you out. I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on a secret. That for 80% of the sales world, this is what it comes down to: speed up the sales process, quick discount, price match, get in, get out, call it good. Whew, I'm happy. But you know, there was money that was left on the table. There were sales that were left on the table. That's a, that's the difference between a pro and a Joe. Most salespeople are not good under pressure, and they're not going to be. And one of the reasons is is they go into role play inside of a company. And a company will give about a 25% realistic view on what what role play should be. It's not difficult enough. It's not situational enough. And so what happens is salespeople go out in the field and the salesperson's not prepared for what is going on in the call. Remember, it's not a sales call, it's a performance. And so what will happen is they will go in and they're like, this is so hard. I'm not prepared for it. Role play never prepared, prepared me for this. And at the end of the day, the thing is, is role play should be super difficult. Role play should be hard. Role play should be like, this is the worst client ever. And I think of uh, the Star Trek movie where they have the Kobayashi Maru, where there's no real answer, where there's no, like, it's an it's, it's insane test. It's difficult. Uh, when I was a sales manager, I had my own version of the Kobayashi Maru where people would have to go through multiple objections in front of the team and the team had to vote them in to say yes or no if that person would be on the sales team. And it did a lot because that salesperson who came on board and was brand new knew they better put in the work and the effort. And the salesperson who got to see the salesperson role play knew that either that guy or that girl had the sales skills to be on the team. And, like, they voted. And if they if they didn't have their say and say, like, yeah, I believe that this guy can do it, then, you know, they had the ability to complain and say, oh, this person shouldn't be on the team. And they'd come back and they say, hey, this guy's not cutting it. And be like, okay, well, you voted him in tell me why. And I'd make them have the tough conversation with one last reminder before I get to the goods. I, I timed a lot of sales calls with, with pros, with Joe's, with everybody. And I kept really good records of this. And so this is a unique stat that you're going to find from me. And here's what the unique stat is for every hour that you spend inside of a sales presentation. It could take one tenth of the time to close the deal. So once you say, here's the amount, here's what you're looking at in the investment, it can take you six minutes to close for every hour your presentation is. You have a three hour presentation, it could take you 18 minutes to close. Now, this is not a perfect stat. This is not a perfect number. This is just like, hey, wait a minute. Nobody pays attention to this. Somebody it would be nice if somebody put some some numbers so that I knew what I was looking at. And Why do you need to know this? Well, for every hour of presentation that you have, that means that you're going to have to be calm and have a good conversation with your buyer instead of freaking out. Most salespeople are good for about 30 seconds after they roll price. It's $10,000, sir, or $125 a month on an easy payment plan. I got to think about it. Absolutely, completely understand where you're coming from. I'll call you in a week. That's most salespeople. The next one is, well, here's what I could do. I can give you a quick discount or I can price match the last guy. 30 seconds. You're like literally your competition. Your competition only has 30 seconds of content. If you've got six minutes for every hour that you're presenting, you are good. You're golden. So here's the, the top 10 tips that I can put together for you for staying calm with tough buyers. Staying calm in tough sales situations. One, the time, energy, effort, and risk trap. The more time, energy, effort, and risk you've put into a sale, the more that it feels like it's slipping away when things are going sideways. So you put weeks, months, quarters into chasing this buyer to get the appointment, and you feel like things are going sideways, that means that you are going to do everything you can and everything in your power to try to save that call, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. And once again, this is where I see salespeople screw up a lot, where they speed up the sales process. They speed up the sales process to get to the end, to get to the closing, to get to the price match, to get to the discount. And what ends up happening is almost every single time without fail, there's problems with that sale. Two, know that some buyers are doing this to rattle your cage. There are courses and classes that teach people how to treat salespeople so that you can get what you want. There's a commercial courses. Uh, there are, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the group that does this, but they they teach They teach buyers to be difficult on purpose, to to throw the salesperson off balance. I remember that I went to a sales call one time and the guy just kept asking me questions and he would not let me present. And it took me about 10 minutes to figure out what was going on because I was starting to get flustered and he cracked and he smiled and I was like, oh, game on. I know exactly what's going on here. And it turned out that this guy was not somebody that I wanted to do work with. And he was just after free information. He was after education. He had no plans of making a purchase for me. And I got him to say that because I learned uh, there's this technique from Jim Camp where he calls three plusing, where you take a question and you ask the question three different ways. And by the time that I was done, this guy was flustered and he was like, nobody's ever been able to do this to me. Nobody's ever been able to get me to say what my position was except for you. How did you do that? And I just smiled. I did the same thing to him that he was doing to me. You can pause for a moment when you're talking to people. You don't always have to have conversation going. You don't always have to have the ability to have a story going. Sometimes a pause is going to help you out. Sometimes taking notes. I always use taking notes to my advantage because in school you're taught like don't interrupt somebody when they're taking notes. So somebody was being difficult with me. I might take a couple of extra seconds or even up to a minute to write notes. I would think how to make a note even longer than what it really needed to be just to see what that person would do. And so I would leverage uh, social norms. And so sometimes people would ask me a question. I would just ignore them or I'd hold up my hand and say, hey, just give me one second. Let me write this thought down. You can control time by taking notes. Three, this could really be your problem. You may not be listening. And I want you to think about that. If you're trying to answer a question or think of the answer to the question while the person's asking it to you and you're really not paying attention, you are creating a problem for yourself. It's one of the reasons why you may be having a tough sales call. It could be your fault, right? Believe it or not, you could have to stand up and hold your hand up and say, I guess this is all on me. Four, some buyers are scared and they're acting out you know we all have the fear of meeting with the big bad salesperson with the big giant fangs and and the giant claws because guess what that sales guy or that sales girl is being sent out to rip us off and unfortunately there are some scumbag sales dudes and scumbag sales chicks that have ruined it for you and i it's your job to be a pro and be better than that you know one of the things that i really stress to sales people a lot is it's your job to be the leader it's your job to show like look I'm supposed to be here. I am this person that's supposed to be here to help you out. And there are times where you actually have to say something like a word track like that to the buyer. Say, hey, look, it's a good thing that I'm here because I'm the one person in this industry that can help you out. Everybody else would have walked away by now. I'm here for you. You know, let's get this done. Sometimes it takes you saying something like that and you sticking around is proof that you're not going to quit on that person when things get difficult. You know, what's the sales guy or the sales girl going to be like when I've got a problem? Are they going to give up on me like everybody else? No, they stuck into the sales call. They stuck and put themselves and they put their neck out and they, they sat through me treating them bad. Sometimes it's a test and it's not always a nice test, but sometimes it's a test. Five, trust your sales skills and hopefully you practice. You know, role play is one of those things that sales people, they like, I don't want to do it now. Almost every single closer that I know at the drop of a hat. If I say, Hey, let's role play. They're like, I'm in, let's do it. Every time that I meet with a struggling salesperson, I say, let's role play. You want know they tell me, you know, can we do that later? Um, not right now. I don't feel like it. I'm not good with role play. And what's crazy is in sales meetings, you will normally see the, the closers are the first people to volunteer. And then right behind that, you might have the one exuberant salesperson who's really excited about role play, but for the most part, struggling salespeople don't want to role play. Six, the tough conversation may need to be had with the buyer. You may need to say, hey, look, you know, uh, based upon what's going on, I may not be a good fit for you. Now, there's a lot of dangers in doing this. The dangers in doing it is it makes it easy for you to bounce out of calls. It makes it easy for you to blame the buyer when it could be your fault. The other thing is, is most salespeople are very timid about this and they won't have the conversation. And so they don't have the pitch and tone correctly. This is why it's very important for you to to record your role plays and your practices. And even your sales presentations Where legal. If you're going to record a sales presentation, you got to check the law. I can't tell you how to do it. I will tell you that, you know, it's best to ask, Hey, can I record this? Not giving you legal advice, but just something to think through. Seven. A buyer only has so many moves. I like to think of everything as a chessboard. There's different pieces. There's different parts. You've got the pawn, the rook, the knight, the bishop, the king, the queen, the pawns. There's only so many different directions and things that could be done per part per player. And so like realistically, let's just go down the list. There's only so many things that a buyer can do to you. A, they avoid you and your comments. And you've had the person that you've presented to and they pretend like they're not listening. They pretend that they can't hear you. They pretend that they don't know how to answer your question. They pretend that they can't give you a yes or a no. They like, they pretend B they yell at you. Ooh, yell at me. Like I haven't dealt with this one in high school or junior higher on the playground or at the gym. Right? Like think you think like, Hey, I've never been yelled at before. That's really going to work. C. they complain about your price. Your price is too high. Your terms suck. This rate on this easy payment plan is horrible. D, they complain about your product. Oh, you don't have enough features. You don't have enough benefits. Oh, I read on this website or in this magazine that this isn't good. E, they give you fake objections. Uh, You know, like, oh, I got to think about it. I'm going to talk it over. There's a significant other. There's a manager. There's somebody that I got to talk to. You know, there's only so many moves that a buyer can have. Like You got to role play these. You got to know that, like, okay, is that all you got? Is that all you got? I'll deal with it. Eight. If you freak out, they freak out. And this is why it is so important for you to be a pro versus a joe. You know, this is important for you to find strange situations or things that make you uncomfortable that are illegal. Anytime that somebody says, "Ooh, that's kind of weird. I wouldn't do that." My brain goes, "Sounds kind of weird. How do I go check this thing out?" You know, as long as it's not dangerous, as long as it's not legal, I'm going to go I'm going to go take a look at it. So, here in Sacramento downtown, they had this event and they were doing piercings. And I got to tell you, it made me very uncomfortable. It was very unusual, but I stuck it through. And deep down inside, I said, you know what? I'm going to use this in the sales process. I have been through so many weird situations. I've been in so many weird homes, so many weird buildings that, hey, if I freak out, they freak out. You just treat it as normal. Like you, Some of the paintings and the pictures on the walls and the homes that I've been in, woo, I can't even tell you how weird they are. I'm not even going to begin to describe them, but for most people, they might freak out. I mean, you know, when I did pest control in the in the 90s and the early 2000s, I was at 14, 15 houses a day. And, you know, some of those people were consistent. They were on my route. When I was a heating and air tech, I would run four, five, six calls a day. And so when you start adding up the amount of times and the amount of houses that I've been to, you know, all over the Valley, that's one thing. And then you consider all the ride-alongs that I've been on inside of companies, inside of uh, homes with other salespeople, inside of businesses. Like there's a lot of weird things that I've seen. And one of the best thing that I can use to my advantage is I've seen some weird stuff. So there's not a lot of stuff that freaks me out. I remember that one time I was up on a roof with a guy and his culture said, Hey guys, hold hands to prove trust. And it was a test on his part. The guy held out his hand. I was like, all right, I'll hold your hand. And we walked across the roof holding hands. It was a flat roof. There was no reason for me to do it. But that was his culture. But most people who would go out there would have freaked out and said, Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. It was a test on his part. If I would have freaked out, he would have freaked out. Nine, being willing to ask for the sale. Tough buyers sometimes are tough so that you don't ask for the sale. And one of the things to know that I figured out early on is sometimes buyers will create a fake objection. And if you buy into it, it becomes a real objection. So let's just say you're sitting with a buyer and you get to the end and you roll your price. It'll be $25,000 for our product or $300 a month on an easy payment plan. The buyer goes, yep. Why don't you just email me the information? Okay. Well, you asked for the sale once in a quasi way, but not in a full way. You didn't really ask for the sale. You just said how much the price was. And so the buyer came back at you and said, oh, I'm going to test the salesperson and see if they're really going to ask me for the sale again. And sometimes they'll grimace and sometimes they'll be very gruff about like, why don't you just email me the information? If you agree to that, you are no longer in a closing process. You are now in a follow-up process. And a lot of times buyers will do this covertly, not thinking that you've ever been through this. Oh, just email me the information okay, yeah, great, I'll do that. No, like realistically, you should say, hey, we're almost there, we've only got a couple more minutes, we're almost done with this, everything that needs to be done. But since it's been a tough call, salespeople will give up and go, you know what, you're right, I'll email it to you, and then they play the follow-up game. Like, you have that buyer's attention, and just because somebody's being difficult doesn't mean that they're, they're not gonna make a purchase. Even angry buyers make purchases. In fact, an angry buyer is emotional. I'll take an angry buyer over an emotional neutral buyer any day of the week. 10, learn what you can from tough calls. There's gonna be ones that you win and there's gonna be ones that you'll lose. There's gonna be times that you're like, ah, oh, you know what, I was so close. We'll make a phone call, talk it through with another closer, see what you can learn from that call. I figured what I would do is uh, give you some bonus content. Right? So I gave you 10 items, but I, I figured I could give you four more after looking at the list that I created. Bonus number one, never deliver good news and bad news in the same spot when possible. So there's times where I would go into offices and I knew that it was a tense situation before I went into the office uh, for whoever was in front of me. So what I would do is I would do everything I could to move the chairs even just slightly. I would walk in and say, hey, is there if I move the chair, you know, I need to get my bag right here. And they'd say, yeah, well, that bag was not in the same spot as bad news was delivered with the last salesperson. Sometimes I would have to, you know, Hey, we're going to go over here on the floor and here's where we're going to talk about this and deliver the bad news. And then we're going to move over here and deliver good news. You're going to have to figure out how to make this work for you, your process, your product, your widget, or your gizmo bonus content piece. Number two, create a commotion. You know, I'm not a big believer in tricks. I'm not a believe a big believer in shenanigans. And occasionally this is a move that I'll make. It's not my favorite move but I'll drop a pen and you only get away with this one time. This is a one time move. And if you're gonna use it, you better be smart about it. And let's say that things get really tense and things get really weird. You know, uh, you can drop your pen and it's gonna shift the dynamics, It's, it's a time warp. So this is what I'm saying, if you do it twice, it's gonna look like it's weird and you're unusual. If you do it once, you can get away with it. Now, I wouldn't do this in the presentation. I would save this for the close. It's a variation of never deliver good news and bad news in the same spot. Dropping a pen may work some wonders for you on a call. I'm not going to guarantee it's going to work on all calls, but at least it's something that you could use. Bonus content number three, ask for something. You know, there's times where I've been in tough situations and I will push social dynamics and social norms to the test. I'll ask people for stuff, especially if I'm at their office. Um, I will say, hey, like, do you have a glass of water? Uh, is right if I get a glass of water? Uh, is right if I use the restroom? You know, which one is it? Like there's times where it's appropriate for you to do something to shift what's going on on that call. Out of all of these things, I'm going to tell you the glass of water thing is the best because psychologically that person's doing something for you. If you can get that person to do something for you, it's going to be fantastic. Now, on this list, things that I wouldn't do, I would not ask that person for a pen. Because if your pen runs into problems, it's a sign from the sales gods that you should not be doing business. Okay. So anything but a pen, a bottle of water, a glass of water is going to be perfect. And if they ask like, Hey, do you want me to get ice? The answer is always yes. Do you want a cup? Yes. The more difficult it is for them, the better it is for you because psychologically they're having to do more bonus lesson. Number four, be emotionally neutral. And the more that you can make it in your sales process that, yeah, whatever, no big deal, the easier it is for that buyer to buy into what you're saying. Now, I'm not saying to go in and talk like a robot, like I have a widget to sell. I'm saying the more that the buyer does things to emotionally rock your world, the more that you're like, yeah, I've been through this before. What's the weirdest thing that could happen? Emotionally neutral is one of the, the sales strategies that I do teach salespeople when I'm, I'm, I'm working on role play with them. You know, this is a more of an hour long class. So I'm going to give you the highlight, keeping yourself emot- emotionally neutral in a sales presentation. When things get tough is one of the best ways for you to uh, overcome objections and overcome difficult buyers. So like, you know, you should watch shows where people are getting yelled at and they're like, I'm just here to help you out. So cops, or live PD, sometimes when the, the cops are getting yelled at by perps, or live PD when the people are getting yelled at by perps and the, and the police officers or the cops are just like, look, I'm just here to try to help you out. And they're very emotionally neutral. It's uh, easier sometimes to deal with the perp or the, the criminal or the suspect than it is to, to get amped up and yelled at the person. There's plenty of things for you to do to keep calm in a sales situation or into a presentation. If you go through this list and make notes, there's some gold in here that'll really help you out. You could use this to help close more deals, help close more sales and be better at what you do. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.